Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about entertainment media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, and start a fight in the comments. Apparently, we're still on this negativity kick. Yeah. Also, uh, it was brought to my attention that uh, there's not really comments for audio. Like there Carter are on and SoundCloud, AK- but not iTunes. Yeah, nobody really listens, and not not yeah. Spot or yeah, Spotify, not wherever else else other people listen to. So don't do that. Then don't do that. Seek us out on social media and yeah. start a fight there. Facebook or yeah. Twitter at Justice Losers Pod. Instagram or inform your friends about our presence. They'll fight you. They'll do anything. <laughs> They'll to fight you. Yes, yeah. that's how you start fights. <laughs> start fights by showing us to your friends. Exactly. Uh, Matt. Preston, what are you been up to? Basically nothing. Oh, uh, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I've started a couple of things. Uh, um, we'll talk but about our agreement. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say Hannah has been watching the Goldbergs a little bit, and I've been watching over her shoulder. Oh, that's the yeah so family sit- sitcom, family yeah. sitcom. Um, I think it's still airing. Is it? I think so. Hmm. Um. I definitely have seen that, like, clips of it come across my Facebook. Yeah. Like, when I'd, like, scroll through Facebook videos, it'd come up. Yeah. So, it's a family sitcom set in the 80s. Um, it's not a show I think I would ever sit down and watch start to finish, but it's perfectly enjoyable. You just you sit down and you watch a few episodes, and you kind of lays out, okay, this is the, the cool older sister, and she's all obsessed with being popular. Yeah. And this is the um, the main character's the dorky younger brother. And yeah. Just, you know, everyone's got their shtick, and they... It's reasonably well written and puts them into some interesting scenarios, but it all f- kind of it feels authentic. I think yeah. because it's it's based on the main character's actual recollections of his life and his oh, childhood. That's, okay. Um and he was an aspiring filmmaker when he was a kid and he had a little camera and he'd like go around and film things. And so often at the end of the episode they'll like do some scene and then they'll show a clip over the credits that's the exact same scene, but like filmed when he was eleven years old in the eighties. Huh. Like kids are wearing the exact same clothes and doing yeah. the same thing it's, it's cool it's fun nice so not spectacular but if you're just looking for something to kind of put on in the background goldworks is a probably a good go-to cool all right i'll make note of that yeah i could physically make note of it but i'm probably not going to because this is for notes about you oh yeah oh no oh yeah oh dear is this oh. my performance review yeah okay How, how's go. my performance uh so far you're in an f minus minus well you only go up, so like you start at zero. Uh, okay, it's a terrible way of grading people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's everything meaningful I've been up to. Yeah, what you been up to? Uh, I finished Clone Wars. Oh, I finally went through and watched the last last season. Yeah. Um, overall impression. Uh, the first three episodes were pretty interesting. Okay. The following four. Following five episodes, no, first four episodes followed Rex, like the blue, the five hundred first with the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of the Bad Batch. Well, they're getting their spinoff show. I know, explicitly because they are all. I they walked out, and I was like, I paused it and out loud to myself. No one else was in the house. I was like, sniper who's quiet, burly guy who likes destroying things super cool like badass leader and nerdy guy immediately called every single one and i'm just like this is just so stereotypical of like a crew i was like come on be a little more original with your writing like just it's a formula that works darn it (laughs) i know 
but it's i know (laughs) it's also a kids show yeah i say with hefty air quotes around it it's got some darker darker themes yeah um so those i mean those were fun um they were fine um then the ahsoka ahsoka episodes i just i didn't care honestly Hmm. like about her and like the when it got to the end where it was really kind of showing the ramifications of her leaving the Jedi council. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that was fine. But like, it just, it felt like they just, for the first eight episodes, they just needed something to do with the, f- the two groups that were centered in like, it was like, all right, we've got the five Oh first and Rex and their guys. So we, uh, that's, really original to this show right. and Ahsoka who's really original to this show. Right. Let's just focus on those for the first eight seasons or first eight, first eight episodes. Mm-hmm. And then the last four episodes, you got that look in your face. You could tell that, that, that this is what they focused on. Yeah. That they kind of like, they put their B and C team on the first eight episodes. And then the final, like the final four, mm-hmm. they're like, this is the best. Like we will do, everything we can we'll pull out all the stops for this mm-hmm. like it is just so the only thing i'm gonna say plot wise is that it takes place during episode three okay. which is so f- cool yeah. have you have you finished uh did you ever finish the last season no you never finished the show in general i never finished the first season oh okay so yeah i'm definitely not gonna say anything else about like okay. the plot but the last four episodes take place during episode three which for people who know Star Wars and who know remotely Clone nah. Wars is about like the clones and Anakin. Oh, boy. It's so cool. And they don't, and they treat it as supplementary. Mm-hmm. There's a point where someone's talking to Anakin or uh, talking to uh, Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's like, uh, Count Dooku is no longer a, a resource or whatever. Mm-hmm. Count Dooku is dead. And you're just like, I want to go through and I want to watch the last four episodes, yep. but like watching between the two of them and like watch it kind of like in canon order. Yeah. It's just, it adds so much interesting stuff. Um, you get Ahsoka's side of Anakin during episode three. Oh man. Uh, it's just, <laughs> there's, uh, also I just realized I spoiled a thing at the end of season seven for you. I, I mentioned Ahsoka leaving the Jedi, which is, I knew that that happened. Okay spoilers uh i have been it has been brought to my attention that we are very bad at spoiling things um maybe you are you apparently you are too um i apologize for that spoiler and i also apologize for a spoiler i gave with uh how i met your mother and uh saving jacob (laughs) or defending jacob i don't even know what the defending jacob one was i don't remember either i think i have an idea but the person who told me it was ak Mm -hmm. ak didn't remember either um anyway the last four episodes of Clone Wars are just fantastic. The like you can it's mm-hmm. the the animation uh so like the the first scene is Obi-Wan with Commander Cody and their dudes on a bridge mm-hmm. like at kind of a last stand situation and then Anakin with the 501st shows up. And how they nice. do it is brilliant, but also just the animation is better. Like it's it doesn't I don't know. They spent more time animating it better mm-hmm. and then there's a duel between two people that they did mocap for oh. so the movements feel natural nice. and they brought back original people for like 
uh, for certain characters yeah. to and so you get that like original people who play them in the movies right so you get like the real way that it's done mm-hmm. um characters are reacting the way that they, that they builded them up built them up to be to react in certain ways build um building nice. them good and the music you know that I typically don't notice music very right. much unless it's like egregiously great or egregiously bad. Right. Um, there were, there were spots during the last four episodes that like it, it gave, it put me in a, in a, in a, like a, the, the fog and like kind of feeling of 2049. Like wow. it's kind of that, like just that drone and a loud drone where it's just like mm-hmm. th- this uncomfortable and like it's doing its job. Like, yeah, the guy who did it is not that huge. He's the guy who's uh is a composer for the rest of Clone Wars and for the rest of Rebels and a couple other things here and there, but nothing huge. Mm-hmm. But it's just like Hans Zimmery in the last four four episodes, mm-hmm. where it's just like it's like they made. I'm wondering, it's like they made these four episodes that were explicitly intended to be the last season right but then someone told them it's like now you need 12 episodes and they're like sure. all right <laughs> yeah um that seems plausible yeah because there's really no there's a couple tiny elements that that come in from the past four episodes into the into those episodes but really not a lot like mm-hmm. you could you can watch the last four without having seen right the rest of the season um but it's just there's straight up scenes from the movie from episode three in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So like there's like a council scene, but like it's all um, holograms and it's another person. Uh-huh. And then where the movie cuts out, it's like uh, like people start checking out. Mm-hmm. But then two people stay online, but you wouldn't have seen that in the movie. So like it uh, makes sense. So you like get to yeah. see this like little extended version of the scene. Oh, I love it um gosh i gotta back got back into this show yeah it's uh, it uh it's good uh the last season last four episodes of the season and they also change it so like the whole show it's like the um bah, like with like the kind of mm-hmm. the variation of uh the star wars theme right but like they bring in like the episode four uh a lucasfilm limited production like oh, faded nice. and then they changed the logo to, from yellow to red for the last four. Oh. And then they like the last three, they don't have the dude, the, do the voiceover thing. So mm-hmm. it's just this, like they bring it to episode three tone and you're just like, Oh no. <sighs> and the whole time, like they keep you on your toes because you don't know what's going to happen. Like you've got clones that you care about and you know that episode, what happens at episode three is order 66. And I'm like, yep. I'm not going to tell you how that plays out, but like the whole they. They know that you know yeah. that that's about to happen, and they don't like go, "Oh, what's gonna happen?" What's gonna... they're like? If you're watching this, you've seen episode three, and you know what the is about to happen. Yeah. So we're gonna play to that, and it's just oh, like, I love it. Mm, what's gonna happen? That <laughs> <laughs> was really uh, good. I, I was genuinely like, like it, it, it the the first four or first eight episodes, I was like, all right, I'm I'm like eating, or I was making turtles, so I was like unwrapping Rolos. Turtles, turtles, the a candy thing, oh. a treat for okay. thing. I was just like not really paying attention. I'd walk into like my room, go to the bathroom, something like that, like during an episode. Yeah. But this one, I was like, end of an episode. Pause. I gotta pee. And then, like <laughs> running to pee and then run back. It's like okay. Yeah. 
Uh, it's great. I'm excited. I'm just, I'm remembering. You've got eight seasons. <laughs> yeah, I got some catching up to do. I just, well, so I'm remembering one of the only video games I've ever played is the original Star uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I have uh-huh. like a PC emulator version and I played through that. Um, and in the campaign mode, there's, um, so it basically follows the, the 501st. Yeah. Um, and yes. one of the early missions, um, not early, but maybe a third of the way through the game is attacking the Jedi temple, uh-huh. Anakin, yep. and just like the little cutscenes in between the, that mission, the mission before and that one. And you're just like, Oh no, I know what's about to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the little, you know, the little auto voice during battles, like just like the simulations as you shoot a Jedi in the face with a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> like wait what? wait a minute <laughs> yeah no i i just love the like i i i'm at a point honestly where i want to see more of order 66 mm-hmm. it's such an interesting and uh, th- that scene is by far the like from execute order 66 to probably yoda bailing yeah I think is the best chunk of the original of the prequels. Cause it's just, there's not very yeah. many words, yep. which so you don't get Lucas dialogue, right? But like you get the impact of just like this and, and, and it is executed. Well, like just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd give it a 66 out of 66. <laughs> it's it, like, I, every time I watch that, like you, you feel the pain and like this, yep. like this betrayal that yep. it is. And it's so cool to see, like with with Battlefront, and because mm-hmm. I've played that a lot too, um, and now Clone Wars, adding these like little supplementary, yeah, like perspectives of that, yep, uh, is just so cool. Yep, and I want to see more of that stuff. Like I think they do a reference to that in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, uh, yeah, well, doesn't it? I think it starts with that. With Order Sixty Six. Yeah, it's like he's like yeah. a Padawan when it happens, and he like bails or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Cool. Clone Wars. If you, first of all, if you haven't seen the show, I recommend the show. The show is a lot of fun. Yep. Um. But then, you, you, if you've seen the show and you haven't gotten around to the final season, get to the final season. Working Truck through it. the first date. Well, we'll be working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Truck through the first date and then, like, enjoy the last four. They're really good. Cool. News. 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 It's been a quiet news week. Yeah. Not really uh, much. We got a trailer for Malcolm and Marie, which mm-hmm. is, I think, one of the first movies to be uh, basically conceptualized, written, uh, directed, made, post-produced, and now released under the pandemic. Um, it's uh, made by Sam Levinson, uh, who did Euphoria, the HBO oh, yeah, series yeah. Uh, from last year. Um, Zendaya is back for it, and John David Washington, who you might know as the protagonist from Tenet. Yep. Um, and the story is apparently basically he's uh, an actor and his movie just premiered and he comes home and they wait for reviews to come in Mm -hmm. and watching the trailer, it looks like they argue and plumb the depths of the relationship and it's going to be really emotionally traumatizing and I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm. It's in black and white. Should be good. Cool. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) it's really quiet. Yeah, no, it's not a whole lot. Uh, I mean, it's also been like the world, the country, which, you know, is the kind of the primary where our stuff is. Country's kind of been on lockdown for the past week yeah, because of political stuff. So probably not a whole lot of things have been happening. People have been trying to keep quiet because it's not like, you're like, ah, oh, cool. People are storming the Capitol. 
hey, check out this trailer. Check out the new trailer. <laughs> Flash or whatever. Yeah, so they're not. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yep. But fair enough. Oh, it's a good thing that it's a short news week because I went pretty long with my watchman up to. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Hey, Matt. Hey, Preston. What's that? Who's that? Who does he do? Uh, this is a terrible see. transition into the episode. Yeah, J.S. Batch, I think. Um, that's uh, it's this guy right here. He's he's best known for some wonky hair. Best known for some wonky hair. Look, look at that. Look, look at all that batch that of batch this of hair. Is, this is high quality content for the uh, SoundCloud listeners, <laughs> yeah, and the Spotify listeners. Yep. No, yeah. Uh, we have our set decoration. If you're listening to the audio version, you can't see it. Our set decoration today is a piano book at the piano with j.s bach it was the most applicable thing that we had lying around yes um what are we talking about today johann sebastian bach german composer born 1685 died 1750 considered the father of the high baroque wrote just so much good music like you got your b minor mass and the saint john passion and the saint matthew passion and the brandenburg concertos and the uh, violin concertos and the doubles concerto and the the well-tempered clavier book one and the well-tempered clavier book two and the keyboard concertos and the toccata and fugue d minor for organ and the pascali and fugue and c minor for organ and just so much stuff all right i'm gonna write that down so you said yep the the piano no i didn't say piano. music book one the piano <laughs> <laughs> something like that i'm impressed that you got all had all of that did you read that no nope. like, it was just off the top of your head those were the the bach pieces i thought of off the top of my head all right well that's not what we're talking about no we're talking about you we're talking about me talking about bach. you although i am bach reincarnated wow you took a long time to <laughs> anyway yeah we're talking about we were talking we talked about preston's musical history a couple of a couple of weeks ago and it got very deep and very personal and we explored like how his emotional state has been affected by and reflected by his music um yeah it really just went you know went went down a hole it was a <laughs> it was a good episode yeah and today i'm going to talk about how i like classical music and you're all stupid for not listening to it God damn it. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be a very different episode because Matt has a very... We're going to do the same thing for Matt, basically. Uh, yep. it, it may not get as personal and and yeah. like that, but like Matt has a music experience. He has a very different kind of musical realm than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about that because there's also a lot of really unique uh, one-off things with your music taste these days. Yeah, there are that, some occasional little just like why is that on your playlist Matt? yeah so we're gonna explore those a little bit as we get to that sure. but uh sure, sure sure so how'd it start in the beginning i was born the end <laughs> <laughs> no um so i i think we talked about this in your episode but a lot of the first musical taste you develop is just subsumed from whatever your parents have around yeah um and my parents mostly listened to bach and beethoven and mozart just like the big name classical music guys um did they uh what's their experience like are they like classical musicians or they have both played uh piano a fair bit and have liked classical music my dad um likes to tell the story of when he was in high school he'd invite his friends over and they'd play risk and he'd put on beethoven's second symphony on this record player Mm -hmm. and it was their war music oh okay (laughs) kind of a weird choice for war music dad literally could have gone with mars the bringer of war by gustav holst but sure yeah fine that's also only so long and if you ever if you've ever played a game of risk 
you'd play go through war or go through mars like a hundred million times yeah it's a quick little piece but yeah so they they both liked classical music i think probably that's mostly what they had around because they both liked it and appreciated it and had played instruments and came from a classical background and it was sort of the thing that was the overlap between their their tastes my dad likes uh 70s prog rock my mom likes um more folk music kind of stuff also okay um but that intersection is classical music and so that's kind of what i it's really interesting how the intersection between the two of those classical music well it's because classical music just is in both of their tastes oh i see i see the the intersection of their music taste is yeah that's the overlap in the diagram yeah um so that's just that's what they played some of my earliest memories were that i really liked beethoven's ninth because my birthday is february 9th and Ah. nine matched up with the nine and i thought that was so cool and i had no framework for (laughs) thinking about the music but i was like yes this is my favorite song (laughs) is that uh is that still one of your uh among your top no okay it's i mean it's good it's probably my fourth favorite beethoven symphony yeah i mean like when you're that young you attribute anything to anything else and you're just like ah this is you don't have the capacity to think about it. Yeah, like, why the fuck is a favorite color a thing? Who knows? Who knows? Because your parents ask you what it is and then give you choices and you just randomly pick one. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mine's blue. It's my my new favorite color is, I, I don't know, is the, like, the mm-hmm. seafoam green, but... Oh, that's a good one. Don't know, uh, don't know why, but I just really like that. It's really soothing. We're not talking about me. No, back to you. What's your favorite color? Gray. <laughs> That actually tracks. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Very neutral, unobtrusive. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my mom likes to tell the story of when I was a like a really little baby, just a few months old. Um, if they played Beethoven in the house, I would start crying. And if they played Bach, I would calm down and go, Whoa. That is Oh. Well, damn. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if that story is literally true or if it's just one anecdotal example or something. Mm-hmm. But Bach is pretty great and Beethoven's terrible. That's our lesson here today. No, it's not true. Beethoven's pretty cool too. But um, I, I have come to appreciate Bach more as I grew. Is there any element of uh, kind of referencing mine, how mm-hmm. I care a lot about beyond the music, the people themselves, is there any element about their lives that you think influences your uh, taste on them? Like, like, does the fact that Beethoven was losing his hearing as he got older affect how you perceive his music in no, any way? Not Beethoven in particular. There are composers um, and music which the context does matter for me. But okay. in general, I try to take the music as the music. Okay. And just Separate the art from the isolate. artist. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do that. We'll have that debate. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Um, I don't really know where I stand on it. So I could probably just take the opposite of you and argue it. Sure. <laughs> That'll be fun. And then we could switch. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Set um, like a random alarm timer for like having to switch and we just get up, go to the other chair, and then we have to start arguing. It'd be actually really amusing. <laughs> anyway. Good. So, um, yeah, I just I kind of listened to whatever they had on in the background. Um, I wasn't really into music. I remember at some point when I was about 10, um, I made a new friend and he asked me like, what kind of music do you listen to? What, what are some of your, your favorite songs and stuff? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't really listen to music. Yeah. Um. I had started playing piano at that point. My parents were making me take piano lessons and, but I just, I, it wasn't really a part of my life. Um, the deal was I had to take piano lessons for five years or until I liked it. Oh, yep. Interesting. Which worked out really perfectly. Cause I hated it four and a half years. <laughs> into that time. And I, and I got to about four years and 10 months and I was like, 
yeah, you know what? Okay, I guess I can keep going a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because that's about the point where you start playing more complicated music and it gets a little more interesting. It than was the... the... Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and you're just playing out of like the little just exercise books and they've yep. got the little things with the goofy cartoon or whatever yeah. and then it's a little descriptive piece or whatever. And I, yep. I wasn't into that. I think now that I'm thinking about it, I always kind of had that mindset of just the music is the music. I'm kind of a yeah. pure music kind of guy. And so once I got away from that and I ver- remember vividly, it was Clementi Sonatinas, which everyone has, who's played yeah. piano for a few years, got into this. Absolutely. And I was just loving it. Mm. I think it was a combination. They're not, they're just kind of inane, nice little classical piano pieces. Um, and I think it was a combination of, Hey, this sounds like stuff that I grew up with sort of, it's the same thing. It's a little more complex than the other stuff I'm playing. Yeah. And it's just pure music. You can think about what the music means. You're not trying to connect it to something outside of itself. And so that was kind of the thing where it flipped a switch. And I was like, okay, I found something where I can appreciate this. And I kept playing piano. Um, And then I got a little older and I was kind of starting to write music a little bit and develop my own tastes for what I liked. And um, George Winston, weirdly, played a big formative role. He's kind of a new agey piano guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my dad really liked him. My mom hates him refuses to have him on in the house but yeah um that kind of played a role uh just figuring out okay these are kind of the emotions i like to to hit but still it's i'm not really going out of my way to listen music and then my cousin came along and he changed everything because he he's about five years older than me um maybe a little more than that um and he also played piano and trumpet and so Mm -hmm. he's playing a lot of music and when we'd see each other over the summer um we'd just we'd find a piano and we'd show each other what we're playing and yeah um i'd show him like what i'm writing my just little first steps in composition mm-hmm. and he was very encouraging and i appreciate that a lot jay um, you listening jay you better be listening jay. you're not listening jay ah. um and he introduced me to guys like chopin and rachmaninoff that my parents didn't go for it they were just like baroque and classical mm-hmm. handle bach beethoven Mozart, like unoffensive kind of just yeah the yeah, the normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing past about 1820. Um, just they had their very specific set, and it's kind of their comfort zone. And yeah. just, they never really expanded beyond it. Yeah, and you got plenty of plenty of real estate in there. Like oh, you can, there's some, yeah. You can spend your whole life just listening to new music from that area. Oh, yeah, there's some fantastic stuff in there, and some of my favorite composers are from that era. But all of a sudden, my eyes were open, because I'm starting to get into like my preteen years and starting to be a teenager, and I'm like, I'm oh everything's so serious and i'm trying to be so emotional and i'm <laughs> maturing and i'm coming of uh, coming of age as a man and so guys like chopin and rachmaninoff that are like they're emotional and they're more capital r romantic which is sort of just like about the, the heroism and the nobility of the human spirit and stuff like that man that that really stuck out to me yeah. i was like this is so cool and so i started getting into stuff like that and then that kind of sets me on some some different trajectories um I realized just playing through a bunch of different stuff that I liked Russian music. Mm. I don't know why. I still don't know why to this day. Was that like, is that because you speak Russian and you like, uh, I never really asked you about this in person. Like, is there any like Russian in your family? Nope. Did you get interested in like wanting to learn Russian after or before you started discovering you liked Russian music? After. So it started with Russian music. Mm-hmm. Did that affect your wanting to learn Russian? Probably. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I ever had a concrete, this is why I want to learn Russian, but yeah. it's just sort of, 
an acquired kind of, Russophilism. Yeah, you just kind of like like the Russian culture. Not uh, not yeah. present Russian culture. <laughs> not a fan of that. Not a fan of what's going on over there right now. Well, but... we should rule get the President Putin. <laughs> There's a Russian pop song we watched in Russian class once in college. Moi um, drug at the President Putin. Um, mm-hmm. It means my best friend is President Putin. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a goofy song. They're like doing extreme sports and there's a guy in a Putin mask with them doing extreme okay. sports. It's kind of silly. Yeah. Beside the point. Um, so you like Russian music. I like Russian music. And at this point, this is just like the stuff that I've played on the piano. Yes. Yeah. Kabalevsky and Grachanov. Did you start learning violin at this point? No, I didn't start violin until high school. Okay. Um, this is probably early middle school. Um, and so I decide, okay, I like Russian music. And this is about the point where I start being like, okay, I want to listen to music. I want to listen to, um, emotional stuff, stuff that really makes me feel something. Um, and so my parents got me, I should have brought it. It would have been fantastic set decoration. I still have it. It's a little two gigabyte Phillips MP3 player. That's about the size of a matchbook. Just uh-huh. like th- this big, this little, little tiny, tiny rectangle about that big. Like yeah, iPod mini. Size. Show it to the camera. iPod mini size, sort of, <laughs> little little thing, and you can put two gigabytes of music on it. Um, and I'd have stuff like uh, Beethoven's Third Symphony, and that the second movement's just this massive funeral march, and it hits these emotional climaxes. And I was like, oh, it's so good. And yeah, it's like this is really music that says something, you know, man. Um, and I, so I'm liking that. And then I like Russian music. I like emotional music. I start branching out a little bit. Um. One summer we were driving. Was there? You have a question for me? Yeah. So you you started like you mentioned it was uh like a lot of this was coming out from being like getting older and getting more serious and like kind of mm-hmm. you, you clearly you having like there was an emotional connection with it. Yeah. Um. Would you? So we had talked about this with mine. W- would you listen to music to reflect your mood? Like if you were in an angry mood, would you listen to like? angry Rachmaninoff music and if you were in like a kind of a a pleasant mood you listen to like nocturnes like did you have kind of tone music or was it just this music was just kind of a whole it I think it was more of a whole it was never um I want to reflect my emotions it's more I want I just I was really into sort of serious tragic kind of music okay just for whatever reason that was the emotion that like could punch through just sort of the emotionalness of it and just get you to that chills moment mm-hmm. for whatever reason that was the the particular emotion that hit me first i guess okay and so i was really going for that um and so i'm just i'm branching out a little more like dvorak um new world symphony symphony number no. nine is i love that. that's that's one of the few pieces that my parents would listen to after beethoven mm-hmm. basically um and so i liked that and that cd had three dvorak symphonies on it and i started listening through all of those mm-hmm um one summer we're driving home from montana where i'd seen my cousin and we stopped at a, a music store just to pick up some stuff for the drive and i grabbed a best of rachmaninoff cd it's just like a you know little samples and stuff and yeah like, oh this is great and so at this point i'm old enough to start buying my own music and yeah getting into music and so i, I start um you know branching out i start developing my own taste uh, i like serious stuff i like instrumental stuff i tend not to like even to this day stuff with lyrics very mm-hmm. much not really an opera fan not really a choral music fan um what is it that off puts you from that like uh is it just explicitizing the emotion that you like you'd prefer more implicit i think so i okay. think 
for me again i think i've always been just a pure music guy Mm -hmm. um and i've sort of post facto explained that philosophically to myself by saying that music is the particular art that i think is best at um cutting straight to sort of that that chills moment that transcendental feeling Mm -hmm. and it clutters it up if you try to make it represent something or try to make it explicitly about something so so playing to uh, i'm trying to i i I think i'm understanding it's it's playing to a broader emotion rather than um a specific subset of that emotion so yeah uh playing to the emotion of um drama rather than the emotion of like me versus yeah exactly like (laughs) yeah exactly like specifying what drama it's so um do you think that maybe that could be um attributed to the fact that you can listen to one piece of music for different contexts of your of like of your life where like Mm -hmm. um like let's say this isn't you as an example like a, a person gets cheated on so they listen to music that is explicitly about being cheated on like that Mm -hmm. kind of restricts you by listening to classical music you have the whole breadth of music that is attached to the emotion of betrayal and sadness and loneliness and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that it's just it there's more you kind of see what i'm saying like is that what you're sort of okay I, i i think you're going in the right direction um it's just yeah it's it's something about the almost elementalness of the emotion and the fact that yeah. it almost can transcend emotion mm-hmm. it, it's like it just it's kind of a raw feeling yeah you get i get the roughly the same feeling when i listen to well to go back to it the second movement of beethoven's third symphony it's just this funeral march and it's kind of slow and it goes along and then at one point it sort of explodes out and just this two minute emotional sequence that's just absolutely hair raising yeah it's really good and it just sort of cuts right into my gut and it hits me with that feeling and it's about the exact same feeling i get in the opening of prokofiev's first piano concerto which is this giant joyous ascending motif in the piano with the orchestra swirling around it and it's it's pure joy versus pure tragedy but there's an intersection there Mm -hmm. and it's not just that it's joy tragedy it's that it's that much raw emotion injected straight into my bloodstream (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely a drugs analogy here somewhere (laughs) okay um yeah i think i think it is just the purity of it for me yeah um and then probably so i i at this point was really liking music and i was starting to write music a lot this is toward the end of middle school um and developing my own taste and i decided to learn violin um Mm -hmm. just kind of for fun i wanted to have a second instrument to play and i liked this orchestral music and so i thought oh I'll, i'll pick up violin and i was lucky to find a really good violin teacher who um loved working with older students but always got stuck with just the young kids that want to learn yeah um she was she was great and she worked really well with me and i really appreciate everything she did for me and learning violin led to probably the most transformational musical moment in my life which is just music it doesn't have to do anything with my emotional state at the time (laughs) i'm sorry i'm boring i guess (laughs) um so there were two orchestras in my high school there's um a I don't even remember what they're called. I just called them the good orchestra and the bad orchestra. <laughs> so I like wind ensemble. Is... Well, they're both string orchestras. Oh, okay. Um, but one of them was for the more experienced players that are really good. And the other ones for, um, you still had to like 
be okay to play in it. I don't yeah. think there were any requirements because they let me in and I'd been playing for three months, but yeah. Um, but I did have a musical background, which helped. Um, but it was just kind of like the, the freshmen and the people that don't take it that seriously. And they're in that orchestra. Yeah. Um, and the first concert of the year, you know, we, we played our little thing. It's just a, I think we played like a Mendelssohn string symphony or something. It's mm-hmm. nice. And then we sat and we were going to listen to the, the good orchestra play their music. Um, and they played the chamber arrangement of Shostakovich's eighth string quartet. So little background on this. Uh, Shostakovich is a Russian composer. He was born in 1906. If you're born in 1906 in Russia, you're going to have a very interesting life. <laughs> uh, you're going to get to live through the revolution in 1917. You're going to get to live through the rise of Stalinism, the purges in the late 20s through the late 30s. You get World War II with the German invasion. Um, you get more Stalinist purges after World War II and then the uh, Stalin's probable assassination in 53 and the takeover of Khrushchev. You've got a busy life. Yeah. If you're an artist and kind of a public-facing artist, someone like uh, Dmitry Shostakovich would become, you're often under a lot of pressure from the Soviet government be- to write music that is, um, they call it, I guess, socialist realism, mm-hmm. where it's um, music for the people and yeah. whatever, whatever platitude of the week they have. <laughs> um, and he had friends and colleagues that were assassinated or disappeared Mm. or sent to camps for 25 years and just this horrific stuff happening all around him did you know this at the time when you were listening to this i knew the very basics so my orchestra teacher got up there and kind of explained for about a minute just some of the backstory like yeah this is people are being oppressed and um shostakovich is living in fear for his life this is this came during a point in his life when he would sleep outside in the hallway with a packed suitcase because he thought the KGB was going to come get him and he didn't want them to wake up his family when they mm-hmm. took him away. Um, and the eighth string quartet was supposed to be written as a musical suicide note. Oh, He wrote it and he was on a trip and he had like a bottle of sleeping pills and he was planning to take them all and mm-hmm. someone stole them. Someone took oh, them. Oh, no. Him. Someone <laughs> saved him. Someone knew that yeah. that was the plan and so they saved him. I don't know why I said, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he had his plan. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have gotten the ninth string quartet or the fourteenth symphony, which is look up Shostakovich's fourteenth symphony and some of the stories on that. That's there's some fun stuff there. He may or may not have killed one of his highest level Soviet critics with a with a symphony. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's fourteenth symphony. Fourteenth. Um, and so this is kind of the background for the the eighth string quartet, and boy. That is just a gut-wrenching work. I just, I don't think I breathed for the entire 20 minutes of the performance. And um, the guy sitting next to me, who was like a, a soccer player, who's, he's not too serious about the music. He's just like, he's, he and his friends had spent most of the concert on their phones. Yeah. He turned to me afterwards, like, I don't think he'd breathe either. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I didn't realize that music could sound like that. Yeah. And so that sent me out on more self-discovery before that i'd kind of been like oh 20th century music modern music just it's all the they just write to sound weird and that's the yeah. whole point of it and a lot of people kind of have that perception of modern music and i kind of have that perception you of kind that. Of, it's like serialist stuff like yeah the stuff i'm a little a bit subset of yeah 20th century music but it kind of yeah and just weird sound effects and john cage writing 433 and pretending it's a piece of music i really hate that i my theory is that the like the reactions of the audience is the music. 
Like, uh, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but that that's my theory is that. I find that legitimately offensive. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, good. point is, this broadened my horizons to all sorts of new stuff. And so I got really into Shostakovich and like Prokofiev and Stravinsky to a lesser extent, and guys like Bartok that are in the 20th century. Um, and so at that point, I've got kind of a, a full spectrum from like Baroque through modern music, mm-hmm. pretty much everything that's written. Um since uh, about 1600 i'm just like okay this is this is a good selection of spot and it's been like just kind of filling in the gaps since then i guess yeah. and isolating more of my tastes and exploring new stuff that i didn't think i'd like before and then there's movie music yeah should probably get back into that um so about this same time uh middle school-ish a little movie you might have heard of called the dark knight came out yep and that was the first movie not the first movie Revenge of the Sith, actually. The uh, Order 66 scene. Yeah. That, was, that was one of the first scenes I noticed the music. That and Padme's Ruminations. Ruminations. Actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, um, Dark Knight was probably the first movie that came out where I noticed the music and had the means to go buy the soundtrack myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually aware of Hans Zimmer because my dad liked the Gladiator soundtrack so much that he bought the CD like mm-hmm. right when the movie first came out. Um, and so I'd been listening to that since early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, okay, Hans Zimmer. And the so the track that got me is the one that plays at the end when um, he has his standoff with Two-Face and yeah. his family there, and it's sort of the slow building strings. And I was like, oh, okay, that's so cool. I'm just going to buy that soundtrack. And I bought that soundtrack, and I listened to it over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Every single note is emblazoned in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty great. And it was like, okay, so I know John Williams. I know Hans Zimmer. And I know Howard Shore because Lord of the Rings is yep. great. And so I just kind of branched out a little bit from there it's it's never been as much a focus for me but it's something that i have grown to pay attention to more in music in movies it's just what's the musical landscape what's what's the emotions they're trying to get me to feel and Mm -hmm. how's the music doing it and then i'll buy soundtracks and use it for like it's really good if i need to put myself in a particular zone yeah so in high school if i were doing like a lab report or something where i just needed to sit there and transfer a bunch of data and write it up and make everything neat and organized it just put on the whole Dark Knight trilogy soundtrack, mm-hmm. blitz it out in three hours. Yeah. That sort of thing. Or if I need to go for a run, I'll do that. It's been less important, but it's part of it. I, I think it, uh, I mean, it's definitely the fact that um, soundtracks are a lot closer to classical music than, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the rest of yeah, modern they're, they're like born out of the classical tradition. Yeah, like Shostakovich, uh, one of his first jobs as a teenager was playing the um, playing the piano to accompany silent films. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you with with soundtracks when you're listening to it? Do you view it? Are, are you listening to it kind of in the framework of this is a classical piece, or do you kind of like uh uh mentally attach it to the movie where it is like? Padme's ruminations. Do you look at? Do you see and, <laughs> and imagine Padme and Anakin both crying across Coruscant, or do you kind of like, like, uh, do you kind of listen to it how you would classical music, where this is a somber, like, betrayal, loss tone? That's a very interesting question. I haven't thought of it in those terms before, but I, I think I have an answer. Um, it's. I don't think I'll ever listen to it as pure music. Because okay. I realize that it is different. It's designed for a different thing. It's not 
music for music's sake it's music for supplementing the emotions mm-hmm. of a story sake yeah um sort of in the same sense that opera or ballet music might be which is why if i do listen to opera or ballet i like to have like a synopsis right. pulled up so i can kind of follow along with what i'm supposed to be feeling mm-hmm. um but i think i typically won't like see the particular scene it's more of an impression okay um of just like almost the colors of it and yeah the, just the what that particular scene in the movie made me feel kind of gets subsumed into that music, but without visualizing the actual scenes. Itself. Right. So like the Joker theme is just tension. It's just like tension and chaos. Yeah. Like, so whenever you hear that, like that rising tone, you're, you don't you're not really env- envisioning Joker standing there with the, like the mask in his hand. No. You're envisioning kind of like that, that tension. Yeah. It's, it's more getting that same feeling that I got originally. Okay. I, it, I think music's just really all about the, the, feeling for me yeah not about connecting it to anything external what do you uh how do you get to the point of like being able to notice music and like what um is it something that's subconscious that things just catch your attention or is it something that you're kind of like intentionally listening for like i think i, think I am usually actually just listening for the music okay um if it's kind of bland stuff it just kind of it's hard for me to pay attention mm-hmm um, but if it is interesting or engaging, um, or if I'm trying to understand what it's doing or if it's bad, like you said, sometimes yeah. if it's bad, you notice it. Yeah. Um, then I think I am actively paying attention and I'm trying to just include it as part of my act of watching for character development, for good mm-hmm. writing. It's just, it's part of the whole package. Yeah. Do you, uh, is there any kind of like particular subset of what the music's doing that you pay close attention to, like, uh, character themes or, uh, like recurring developments like stuff like that is there anything that you really focus close in on um i mean i'll notice that stuff if it's there lord mm-hmm. of the rings is a master of the little light motifs yeah. it'll tie a particular idea to here's the rings theme or mm-hmm. here's the the fellowship theme or here's the the elves theme which boy it blew my mind when the lorian theme was turned into a like a war march when haldir comes marching yeah. into the, the helms deep yeah like i was like Wait, what? You could do that? That always throws me off. I, it was only until like one of my more recent watch throughs that I noticed like it's it sounds like the song starts with a faster tempo and then mm-hmm. slows down, but it's just the marching is fast and it kind of lines up weirdly yeah. to where it's like it's it the marching is faster than the than the music, mm-hmm. but it lines up well enough that early on it sounds like that's kind of the tempo, mm-hmm. but then the music starts to overshadow the marching sound, and you notice the action because the moment it started playing, one of my recent, I was like, all right, what's the tempo? Oh no, it's actually consistent the whole time. It was always <laughs> weird to me that like it slowed down, it started yeah. faster and slowed down, but now nah, yeah. it's just an audio illusion. Yep, but yeah, I illusion, odd illusion, audio illusion, because like illusion is that's it illum yeah doesn't matter doesn't matter that's the movie <laughs> we're talking about uh no to get back to your question though i think um i think probably the fact that i have come at, at it from like a mostly a classical music standpoint of a trying to hear all these different musical ideas because that's that's part of the fun of classical music is it's all structured and there's like little bits and pieces that'll come back or they're transformed mm-hmm. or something. So uh, Shostakovich's eighth string quartet is a great example of that. The um, One of the main themes it uses is actually his musical monogram. So he takes um, D, S, C, H, 
and in German, S is E flat and H is B natural. And so it'll be D, E flat, C, B. It's okay. kind of his personal motif. And he weaves that all through the eighth string quartet and a lot of his other music too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just hearing how that's transformed and is presented in different ways and with different kinds of accompaniment. It's, um, I tie this back to, there's a, there's a theory about humor that what makes humor so satisfying is it's kind of the sense of being in on the joke. It's a communal thing. It's like you catch it, you understand it, you feel smart, you feel like you're part of the group. Yeah. And classical music is really good at doing that. It like, if you're paying attention, you can, you pick up on all the different things where all the different pieces come from and how they're recombined and uh, transformed and stuff. And it's just, it's really satisfying. You're like, Oh, I hear, I hear that. That's the the theme from before, but now it's just, it's done a little bit differently like this. Yeah. It, uh, and kind of it, it puts you in on the joke yeah um and if you're watching movie music and you have you've kind of been thinking in this mindset of you're thinking about these bits and pieces and you're thinking in pure music terms um then it can work it you're you're trying to pick up on the same things it's born out of the same tradition it uses a lot of those same approaches mm-hmm. so i think it helps that i have come at it from that direction and so it is something that i actively pay attention to okay that was a long-winded answer that was but that's good burning some time burning some time Go us. uh is that kind of where you like where where you are now like so you kind of talked through all that stuff is it is yeah. that kind of like the the that your landing pad of being 24 year old matt like yeah. is that where you are right now so landing pad 24 year matt your old matt has just like it's got a broad range. I've got a lot of favorites. Um, it kind of varies. I like Shostakovich, Dvorak, Rachmaninoff, Prokofiev. Mm-hmm. Just kind of varies day to day which one's going to be my favorite, if you ask me. Okay. Um, Is there anyone that you've noticed you go back to a lot? Like you kind of just, just kind of like that constant through life. One from like really early on. Like I mentioned how Foo Fighters mm-hmm. for me, regardless of my music taste at any point, like Foo Fighters is always going to be up there. Yeah. Uh, is there any like particular, like, not as like a composer, but like um, a symphony or something that just you always go back to mm-hmm. every once in a while. Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my music listening at this particular point in my life is more exploratory. Okay. Um, I'm trying to listen to new stuff and trying to fill in different gaps, but there are, there are pieces I go back to. Um, I've mentioned Beethoven's third a couple of times. That mm-hmm. one is, I go back to that one a lot. Um, there's a piece I started listening to a few years ago that I still go back to pretty regularly. Um, John of Damascus by a guy named Sergei Taneyev, um, who is not very famous. He was uh, actually more of a teacher and writer, um, but he wrote a little bit of music and a lot of it is really awesome. And this John of Damascus piece just gets mm-hmm. me every time, man. So good. So good. It's nicknamed the Russian Requiem, which is cool. All right. Um, Mozart's Requiem. That's one I'll go back to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um you know, everyone knows kind of the dramatic moments from that, but it's just, it's a, there's a lot of great music in there. Yeah. Um, and then I guess some of those ones that have been stuck in my head since I was a baby, like the ones that my parents would play, the yeah. St. Matthew Passion, Bach, St. Matthew Passion, um, the B minor mass, also Bach, a lot of, a lot of Bach. Mm-hmm. Bach's great. It's good. So now we'd branch into the weird oddities of your music taste. Yeah. Um, and to start it off and give people context of what we mean by that. <laughs> so you've been talking about the past 
30 minutes, 40 minutes mm-hmm. about classical music and how like that stuff, like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You like Billie Eilish. I do like some Billie Eilish. Like it, it's the, it's, it's so out there. Like it's not strange for me after my episode that people would believe it. People would believe that I like Billie Eilish. That's yeah. like right along that. Sure. Uh, that uh, realm, except she's less like happy all the time. Like she's a little right. more, a bit more down, but uh, you like Billie Eilish. Uh, and before we dig into this, what, what's your experience with non-classical, non-soundtrack musicians? Like what kind of any, anything that just kind of happened when you were young, you're like, Oh, that's, that's all right. That you'll occasionally listen to here and there. Um, not really. Cause I, I mean, I kind of grew up mostly just listening to the classical and I guess I kind of got this, subconscious and sometimes super conscious uh pretentiousness where i was like you what (laughs) that doesn't sound like me no (laughs) or it's just like oh man if it's got drums and someone singing it's terrible it's all stupid it's all just pointless yeah um and um is that is there is just digging into that a little bit more is there any point any part of you that's just like I wish I could listen to like, I wish I could appreciate that stuff more. I don't think there is. Um, I mean, I do appreciate some of that stuff more. I've matured a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like classical music is, and stuff in that realm has always done exactly what I need music to do for me. Right. It's, it's just, I can appreciate it. Sure. And I, I, do appreciate some of that stuff on enough of a level to get along, but Mm -hmm. it's never, it's never felt like there was something missing from my musical experience that I needed to fill with something like that. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, uh, do you think it's become less, uh, so you mentioned subconscious to sometimes super conscious, uh, super conscious, super duper conscious, super duper conscious, uh, no subconscious to conscious, uh, elitism to, you think at this, uh, you're starting to get to a point where it's no longer elitism. You just kind of like you, 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 mm-hmm. you said it just now. Like, it's just not what you need. Like, that's not. Yeah. Like, you, you don't know. You no longer need it. You no longer like look down on it, though. Like yeah. that. Um, so country's still terrible. Some country. Most country. Most, no, modern <laughs> country. And, and that's something that um, I guess kind of goes into that question uh, a little bit. Uh, broadening that question mm-hmm. earlier I had about. um wishing you could appreciate it more. So instead of it being wishing you could appreciate it more, um, is there part of you that knows that, that you only have a very limited knowledge of things? So for me, mm-hmm. uh, example, country and rap, right? I used to just be umbrella hate it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm able to kind of distinguish between like Kanye West rap and, uh, uh, Mac Miller and, uh, Kendrick Lamar rap where, they're they're saying very different things. They're right. they're both rap, but Kendrick Lamar is a lot more commentary on like real issues and being more artistic right. about it. When Kanye is like booty booty ho and like Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and bullshit. Um, I do have a secret appreciation for Nicki Minaj. All right, I'm done. I'm just <laughs> and, and then country, there's like old country mm-hmm. and stadium country right. that are very distinct. Uh, so I guess all that to say, yeah, like, no, I I definitely lack the context to talk meaningfully about. Mm-hmm pretty much any other kind of music yeah i talk a little bit about jazz i like jazz it's kind of just always been in the background mm-hmm. a little bit of my musical taste yeah but 
Um, but I do want to get into jazz in a little bit. Sure. Yes. Uh, but I do want to. I do want to get back to the like the the Billie Eilish. Like any other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billie Eilish is one. Didn't I introduce you to her? No. Oh. Uh? We independently arrived at the conclusion that she's kind of a guilty pleasure for both of us, except we don't feel guilt anymore. I don't yeah, no, sure I, <laughs> to feel guilt about our musical tastes. Yep. <laughs> uh, how did you come across her? Uh, I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and this was right after she dropped um, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, the mm-hmm. album. Yep. Um, and there was a New York Times article about her that's like, hey, she's this new pop star, but she's a very different kind of pop star. You won't believe what she's doing, except something less clickbaity because it's I'm sure, New York Times. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, New York Times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm intrigued, I guess. I I do like experiencing just different kinds of music yeah. now and then. Just, you know, see what's out there, right. try some things. And I was reading this article and I was like, okay, this sounds like it's kind of interesting, sort of the minimalist textures and, mm-hmm. um, on the actual don't uh, When You All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go song. Um, there's like a dental drill is one of the background yeah. sounds, just interesting stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of intrigued. Let's see where this is. And so I, I just, I sat down and I listened to a couple songs and I was like, yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's some interesting stuff right there. And never been a huge part of the, my music listening experience, but every couple months I'll go back and I'll listen to a few songs. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. So is it, is it just Billie Eilish for kind of like beyond like classical jazz um at, uh, at this point yeah but yeah. I, i'll go through phases mm-hmm. i had a bit of an eminem phase in high school really yeah all right yeah. i, I kind of dig him I, I like some of his music yeah uh, what what spurred that um he was one of the guys that my friends would listen to um and i guess just I don't know if it was ever like I want to fit in with the gang, but it was more like, hey, these are my friends and I want to appreciate what they appreciate. Mm-hmm. And so I made a conscious effort to be like, okay, we'll s- this we'll set this guy out of the the all rap and all rock and all pop and everything mm-hmm. is terrible. Let's let's try this guy a little bit and yeah, see how he is. And it's just I don't know what in particular drew me to him. If it was just that was the only one that they were listening to and I liked that, or if it was um like it, well about that time he was getting big, like he become more mainstream he had like not afraid yeah. which was a big mainstream one mm-hmm. yeah so I, I, yeah he'd done a lot of stuff he's just i don't know um is there any songs here and there that you'd like that you that, so you drive in a car with me and i listen to mm-hmm. music that is not your music realm right uh is there any like ever any kind of songs that you're like oh that's kind of interesting but like it's like kind of just below that threshold to pursue <laughs> Glad you asked. I have a Spotify playlist for just this sort of thing. Really? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, so there's a, let's see. Um, what's what's on here? I haven't looked through this in a while. Uh, there's a song, Long Live the Chief, which is a rap song that I heard from Luke Cage. It's oh. one of the ones that, you know, in season one of Luke Cage, there's like just little musical sides where they have people just doing a sound test on the stage and we'll play a song or something uh-huh. or playing a show. And that was one that I was just like, okay, I kind of dig the beat here. Sure, yeah. Let's put that on the playlist. Um, there's one I heard at a coffee shop one day upside down by someone called Paloma faith. I don't know. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that's kind of catchy. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Um, there's a, a few by a guy named rag and bone man. Um, you remember the inhumans trailer? The big like IMAX trailer for Inhumans that was like this is Inhumans but it's big and IMAX. No, <laughs> I was like, 
this is a really terrible trailer, but I'm kind of digging it. And I wonder why. And about the fourth time I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> oh, the music. I like the song. All right. And it's a song called human. Uh, by this guy, rag and bone man. It's sort of a, again, I don't really have the language to describe this, but it's sort of bluesy mm. almost, but in more of a pop or rock yeah. sensibility, I guess it's, I, I don't know. Um, and so I listened to some of him and put a couple of those on there. Um, I've got some of accumulated from my dad, like Kansas and super tramp yeah. sort of the seventies prog rock kind of stuff mm-hmm. that, um, is just good. Um, stuff like a uh, time in a bottle, which I picked up from, uh, X-Men days of future past. Yep. Just, I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, I hear that in a movie and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. How like big that. is that playlist? Uh, there's about 50 songs. Oh, that's actually not that bad. I was going to, depending on the size, I was going to have you read them all. No. Uh, but no, that's a little big. I want to look through that to see if there's any songs that I know that are on there. You definitely know a few. There's some Imagine Dragons on there. Okay. Um, Hannah really likes Imagine Dragons. And if we're driving somewhere, that's usually the album I'm most excited when she puts on. Okay. When I'm most into. Yeah. Um, and then your dad introduced me to Grandson. I think I talked about yeah, him a couple yeah, months ago. Yeah, he had, ago. yeah um that was so out of the blue yeah (laughs) he's a weird angry little man but some of his stuff's pretty catchy yeah also i realized this the other day um you remember that new suicide squad video from a few months ago where they like uh so they had the behind the scenes one and then they also had like a character introduction one Mm -hmm. just pictures of them the character introduction one has a grandson song behind it oh i didn't realize that until i rewatched that video for whatever reason recently yeah so yeah, I don't know. It's it's mostly just like I hear something and somewhere I have some other association that brings it to my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pretty into a band for a while called Molotov Jukebox. I've heard of them. You've heard of them because I've told you about yes, them before. Yes, they're, the, they're really weird, aren't they? They're sort of weird. Um, didn't Gabriella, our, uh, one of our friends, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, our, our friend Gabriella, didn't she uh, have that, I think? I don't think so. Okay. Might have um, just been you. Might have just been me. Around that time, we were becoming friends, and like all of us kind of became friends. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, so I discovered them because the lead singer is Natalia Tena from Game of Thrones and Harry right. Potter. Right. Yes. And she plays Nymphadora. I don't know. I was I was just on her IMDb or something for some reason. Don't call me Nymphadora. Don't call me Nymphadora. That wasn't it. Nope. I think mine was a little closer. It's still off, but yeah. it was closer. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. I was like, oh, she's the she has a band. I didn't know that just on her IMDb, and so I listened to a few songs, and I was like. I'm kind of digging this. Yeah. It's sort of pop Latin rock feeling. Did you ever listen to cat empire? I think, in, it, yeah. In, Cause in we your car when we drive places. Yeah. Do you, do you like any of their stuff? I didn't hate some of their stuff. Okay. <laughs> There's probably a couple of songs on there that if I had been thinking about it at the time, I might've dropped on this. Yeah. Playlist. Um, yeah. But... I want to find your, like that through line of like what gets you minor key and a good beat that opens a world of songs <laughs> oh i'm about to assault you with music <laughs> <laughs> i think there's more to it than that um i don't care a whole lot about lyrics yeah again it's it's always been a pure music thing mm-hmm. for me um if like I'll, I'll pick up the impressions of the lyrics but also i'm bad at hearing them because i never was very I, that was never something yeah. i had to listen for yeah so it's just it, it's not something i think about very much um, I've got one song that I'm going to play on the way home. It's it's a band that I've been listening to a lot last week. Like, okay. I discovered them like a week ago mm-hmm. or like two weeks ago. 
It was the band that I actually mentioned it. If you go back to my episode, I mm-hmm. said there's like a new band that I'm listening to that I don't remember the name, but it's ah. brand new. And I've been listening to them nonstop. They've got two albums out and I'm just like only listening to them right now. All right. But there's a there's a couple with some interesting stuff. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, okay. So uh, that is really just kind of like a this um, oddities. Like yeah. when you hear it, you haven't really like pursued that is there any part of you that like wants to try to pursue and like get a little bit more there's always more oh yeah there is so much music out there yeah um again i it's not something i don't think at this point in my life i don't think i'm ever actively going to pursue mm-hmm. this sort of taste i'll pick stuff up as it's there and i'll go back and i'll listen to some of this stuff um but it's it, i don't think it's ever going to give at least the version of I, me that i am right now i don't mm-hmm. think it's ever going to give me what i need from music right it's i guess i separate music into entertainment and experience and for me this stuff is always more on the entertainment side and classical tends to be more on the experience side okay but i mean i'll put classical music on the background when i'm washing the dishes or whatever yeah just as more of an entertainment kind of thing yeah or just as a i want to explore and see what this sounds like yeah that's actually really interesting the entertainment versus experience because that was that was something we talked about in mine where like Mm -hmm listening through an album from beginning to end is an experience because you're you're going on the journey that they want you to go on Mm -hmm. assuming that it's an artist that cares about the way that they're right like kendrick lamar's to pimp a butterfly is very explicitly like you're supposed to listen to it all through because there are like intermissions that kind of grow this story right um but like i mean foo fighters probably not really like their order doesn't really matter but yeah Justin um, Bieber, who cares? Yeah. Man, I keep I always forget he exists. <laughs> Until I like that. see something he's like, ah, oh, Bieber's like showing off his new tattoo. And I'm like, I couldn't care less. Yeah. Um so okay, so that's like the oddities kind of like pop yeah. realm. And I will say with Billie Eilish, it's not that I like Billie Eilish, it's that there are several Billie Eilish songs I like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I tried sitting down one day and just listening through her full album and I couldn't get I couldn't do it. Mm. I had to turn it off after a couple of songs interesting yeah there were okay. just like i don't know some of the the more mainstream ones i guess don't do anything for me like, yeah bad guy i'm like okay it's cute yeah i skip bad guy all the time yeah. i really like the the intro mm-hmm. but it's kind of funny and yeah. then it starts and i'm like cool skip yeah. like i go to uh um imolo or whatever the alomilo alomilo yeah alomilo yep because it's based on a video game uh that one's good i like that one a lot yeah um i love you is a really good one it's definitely my favorite um how do you think about the last song where it's i don't know what that is uh i don't remember what it's called either uh it's uh it goes backwards through the album and plays like kind of uh like she sings a phrase that you would mm-hmm. recognize from each song backwards it's re- it, like not singing the phrase backwards she sings right phrase and then goes backwards through the songs mm-hmm. it's just really interesting it's not really a song it's just mm-hmm. it's kind of like this this exit this outro okay that i think is really interesting and it kind of like it ties the album together i don't think i've listened to it okay like i said i made it about three songs in and that's true. Turn it off yeah um okay i want to get into jazz let's get into jazz a little bit we, we're an hour and 10 minutes so, so you like this, jazz you like jazz um when did you get into jazz when did you start listening to jazz so that uh actually was again born out of my playing experience um in middle school i made a whole bunch of band geek friends and i mm-hmm. was not at that point i was just playing piano and i was like i'm not 
that interested in band. That's never been my style. I was yeah. sort of the rugged individualist and, you know, wanting all these, I don't even know. It was just particular sort of image and understanding of myself that I was cultivating as a seventh grader, Yeah, I guess, which I figure is about the point everyone becomes self-aware and starts cul- uh, cultivating their own self-image. Yep. But um, all my friends are band friends. They want me to join in because they know I like music and I play music and I, I can join in. And so um, finally, my best friend Mitchell on the last day of seventh grade dragged me down to the band room and he said, okay, Matt, you're going to sit down at this piano and you're going to audition for jazz band. And said, oh, oh okay. All right. And all so right. <laughs> I played a couple of things from memory and uh, played a, one of my compositions and the band teacher was like, all right, we'll let you know. And I got in as like the backup pianist. Yeah. Middle school jazz band. Yeah. Um, which, and he also made me play percussion in the like regular band because part of the rules are if you're in jazz band, you have to be in the uh, regular band. So what was your I, favorite instrument? Um, well, I started out strictly on mallets cause it's just a piano. Yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> so that was easy. Um, I liked timpani. I got to play snare drum toward the end of the year, which Ooh, was Ooh, you got to fun. snare. Yeah. Um, I like the bass drum just cause you hit like the big bass drum yeah. and cause just cause you hit it and you feel it. Yeah. I just, I, every now and at the end of the day, I just kind of boom, <laughs> make me feel good. <laughs> um, but no, so I, I didn't know anything about jazz. Yeah. I was aware it existed, but I had never really listened to it in any meaningful sense. I could, like, I could tell you if I heard a song that, oh, that's a jazz song. Uh-huh. I don't know what a saxophone is at this point, <laughs> but I can read music. I can read chord changes fairly well. Um, and so I sort of picked some stuff up. I was, I was never great and I kind of wish I'd put more into it. Um, but that's fine. It was a, it was a good experience and it kind of exposed me to, man, I like this. This is, it's, I think for class, I think for me, jazz became quickly sort of that midsection, that midpoint between the entertainment and the experience where it is more of a pure music sensibility. Mm-hmm. There's often not singing, although I do appreciate jazz singing. Yeah. Billy Holiday all day long. Oh yeah. Um, but it's typically more of a pure music thing. And I go for instrumental stuff. I like Coltrane. I like Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got that, that rhythm and that beat and that, uh, virtuosity and sort of that entertainment flavor to it yeah. also. Um, and so I, I think that's probably why jazz has always kind of been in that, the, one of the things it's, it's what I'll put on in the car a lot of the time. Yeah. And just a, a jazz CD. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's never been a focal point. I think if I'd played it more and spent more time with it, it probably would be something I'd be really into just because of the, the creativity and the application of, classical musical principles to something so different and yeah. so out there and the way you can just explode things and do stuff differently. It's, it's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And I, I, it, it is kind of a regret that I didn't get into it as much as I could have, but yeah, I still can. I really like that, that intersection between entertainment and experience like yeah. that. It is kind of, I mean, jazz, uh, like do you, do you prefer big band or, uh, or combo combos? I like, I like combo. Yeah. Um, Probably my favorite jazz album is Kind of Blue, Miles Davis, yeah. which is, I like mean, three people, four uh, people. Let's see. There's bass, there's piano, there's drums, there's trumpet, there's saxophone. Oh, saxophone. So five people. Yep. But yeah, it's just, it's a little combo. It's chamber music, basically. Yeah. Jazz chamber music. I wonder if that's because one of the other non-classical things that my parents would listen to when I was a kid um, we just, I just mentioned this last week, uh, the Jean-Pierre Rampal's suite for flute and jazz piano, mm-hmm. which is just 
flute, piano, bass, drums. Yeah. And he, he wrote these two suites back in like the seventies. Um, it's sort of jazz. It was an early ingraining of jazz into your. Yeah, it was a sort of an, an early realization, and I guess that probably had more of a formative impact on me than I realized. Yeah. Um. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, I like combo jazz, but <laughs> than <big> jazz. <laughs> no, I I think that's really interesting that you kind of discovered that that like oh like like how I'm obsessed with DC and I liked Teen Titans when I was a kid and like yeah. it was more formative than you'd expect. Yeah. Um. That you had that early on and that kind of i wonder if that um i wonder if that helped bridge the gap between uh classical and oddities it Uh, probably did because i mean i started playing jazz in eighth grade and started appreciating it and it i mean my my m&m phase which was probably my first branching out into quote-unquote popular music i guess uh um would have happened in ninth and tenth grade okay so yeah, it kind of yeah. bridges that gap, gives you a little bit more um, like appreciation for other instruments that then yeah. you can, yeah. Yeah, opens that door at least. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I think that's something. Learn a lot about you. Any, uh, what's your thesis on yourself? <laughs> uh, you did this to me. Yes, that's true. Uh, I think that uh, my big theory of art is that art is the appeal to the transcendent and music is the one that can cut the most closely to that. And music exists on this entertainment experience spectrum and the stuff on the experience end, I think is more directly aimed at that transcendent experience. Um, and so I think for me, I need music that is experience that fills me with wonderful feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. All right. But I appreciate being entertained too. Yeah. I like I like MCU movies, but I like serious stuff. Yeah. You know? All right. I don't know. That's something. That's something. Cool. Any other last finishing thoughts on your... Oh, uh, any recommendations? So let's say like... Oh, God. It's really hard yeah. to recommend... I should have thought about that. That kind of um, stuff. What's, what's like know, one thing that you think is really approachable for classical music? Because it's harder for people to get to classical music than it is to pop other genres of pop music yeah because it's so much longer (laughs) yeah Yeah, usually that's that's the thing that's one of the things you got to have either the attention span or you got to be like on a long car ride or something Um, or just doing something mindless where you can put it on and focus um let me see let me come up with a a couple of kind of varied ones here well shostakovich's eighth string quartet shostakovich uh string quartet number eight in c minor string quartet eight and c minor yep um let's see uh that one's a good one it's it is a little bit weird because it's written in 1960 but it's accessible okay it has a key signature okay which is something yeah um maybe uh let's see how about the uh, rachmaninoff isle of the dead rachmaninoff what was it called isle of the dead Isle of the Dead. Isle like island, not Isle like supermarket. Right. Although. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, the meat aisle is the Isle of the Dead. Well, there we go. Dang. Am listen I going to vegan it, over here? Listen to it in the meat aisle. <laughs> yeah. So that one's a, um, it's basically just a big one movement piece. It's based on a painting, actually. 
um, which shows uh, Charon rowing a dead body to the Isle of the Dead or a dead soul. Uh-huh. Um, and so the entire piece, it's it's in 5-8, which is a very Yay. interesting time signature because it's kind of like the little, it's supposed to represent the, the motion of the oars. Yeah. Um, it's a very cool piece. Um, and then I should probably get something a little bit older, some Bach. Um, maybe the Bach A minor violin concerto. That's a go-to favorite of mine. Um, it's quick. It's probably 12 minutes whole piece. Um, but a it's a minor violin concerto. Yeah. Um, but that's a good example of something uh, a little more old school, a little more straightforward. Uh, but it's just that is the best bracket fun. I've ever drawn in my life. I'm going to have to come look at that in a minute. That's a really good bracket. I want to see the bracket. We'll take a picture of it and put it on our story. Absolutely. Best bracket. Best bracket. Yeah. And March I mean, Madness. Move. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, and if you want classical music recommendations, I can literally give you a thousand. Or I can give you 20, and based on which ones you like the best, I can give you 200. Go to our Instagram on the post. It's got Matt being, being music uh, all confused and looking at it. Go and ask for recommendations. And uh, beyond that, like ask for any. Tell me something you like, classical spirited. And I'll give you a hundred recommendations. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you have particular movie scores you like, or if you've yeah. listened to certain pieces of classical music and you really like them, hit me up. Yeah. Do that. Go to that, go to that post, um, and comment. I liked blah, blah, blah. And Matt will respond, which means you need to download Instagram. I have Instagram. You need to log in on our Instagram I'm account. I'm logged in on our Instagram account. I've done all the things. I'm way ahead of you. He's ahead of yeah. He's there. He's ready. So yeah, put the put the comments on the on that on that post, uh, and yep. Matt will uh, respond with a recommendation. Absolutely. Did you see uh, uh, our friend Tiercy's comment? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no WC. <laughs> Which, in fairness, a little bit of WC now and then's okay. See, yeah. I, I just wanted to like I want to end it on this little bit. So you like, I, I think. Based on that exact mm-hmm. sentence, you, it's not there anymore, but you used to like say that you hated Debussy. I do not like Debussy. I think he is really overrated, and I think that a lot of people um, kind of hold him up as an ideal of a particular part of classical music tradition, and I think he's ill-suited to that and writes generally bland, flabby music that's not worth listening to. That being said, there is some good stuff out there. Um, I played Children's Corner in high school. A lot of that's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting to listen to. Um, some of his orchestral music is is fine. <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. His string quartet's pretty good. All right. But string quartets are always good. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. Thanks for sharing, Matt. That was, You're welcome. That was very uh, very informative about you. And, like, that was actually interesting to hear that kind of development of yeah. where you are now. And... I've learned a lot of things about myself here today. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. That's always fun. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, mine, a lot of the ideas I spewed on mine were stuff I was coming up with on the fly. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that entertainment versus experience dichotomy until about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. So cool. We learned stuff. Yeah. All right. Shalst we? Let's shalst. Thanks everyone for listening to me be pretentious about my own musical tastes. Yeah, uh, you weren't even that pretentious. If you don't listen to classical music, you're stupid and wrong. There, there it you is. Go. Got it in there. 
you should check us out. We're on, uh, if you like this podcast, we got all our other episodes and movie reviews and things like that on SoundCloud and iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and probably other places you can listen to things. We've got shortened versions of our episodes on YouTube. So if you got a friend and they're like, you're like, hey, maybe you'd like this podcast. You should send them the, you just got in front of my face on the camera, but it's okay because this is the audio, audio only. only part. Um, you can uh, send them the YouTube videos. It's like a quick little 15 to 20 minute condensed version of the discussion. Um, it's just a, it's a nice little, little sampler of us. Hopefully they don't recoil in disgust and tell everyone not to listen to us. Hopefully they are sucked into our void and appreciate us or something um check us out on facebook where we have a facebook um i still haven't posted that wonder woman 84 review because i'm bad at being myself i think <laughs> uh we're on instagram at just us losers pod where again you can go you can find a picture of me i'm uh, sitting at the keyboard and making a goofy face and holding a pencil and there's a piano book and stuff um and yeah leave a comment on there uh, just Ask me for some music recommendations. Tell me something you like, and I'll, I'll see if I can push some stuff your way. It's uh, This is going to be fun. I, I think I'm going to enjoy this. No one's going to do it, are they? I'll do it. You'll do it. I'll help you out, buddy. Um, we're on Twitter, at Just Us Losers Pod, where we still need to get a patented Preston, t- uh, Preston rant going. We need something for you to rant I've about. I've got something brewing. Okay, good. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's, uh, it's brewing. Okay, I like the sound of that, or do I? (laughs) Do I like the sound of that? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We've got a Gmail, justusloserspod at gmail.com, where, um, I don't know, if you have music recommendations for me, you should send those there. Let me me check some stuff out. You know, if you've got some more popular kind of stuff that you think I'd appreciate, or um, if you've you've got the country song that'll change my mind about country, I dare you. Bring it. What should we do? We should make your playlist public and put a link to it uh-huh and then people can look at what's on your playlist and then give recommendations based on that interesting yeah let's, let's maybe do that all right send me recommendations uh let's see what else do we have that's pretty much it i think that's pretty much it what are we talking about next week oh shit uh antagonists antagonists that's right we're talking about protagonist antagonist pairs and how they are dark reflections of each other or Sometimes or it's maybe not. just it's the the same person, My but they punch each other. Leading me to a more broad, disco- a broad uh, conclusion. <laughs> Good, because that's what I was going to go with. Good thing you're in the hot seat for this one. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, is that everything? I think that's everything. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 I missed. <laughs> Shit. Penny, wait. I got this. Okay, he's got this. He missed again. I missed again. I'm getting a whole bunch of coins. Oh, these are all quarters. Got it. Nice.